Storehouse Dallas. Um, I, I'm just not even going to open this up right now, at least. <laughs> um, so I was here, Sarah. There's some, there's some peop, really fun people here. Sarah, just wave your hand, say hi. I knew Sarah from Kansas City. Do you live here now? Okay, amen. We'll talk later. And uh, my friend Daniel is here somewhere. Where's Daniel at? Hey, Daniel. Love you, man. Uh, Daniel is, him and his wife live here in Dallas, and they're helping. I hope you still are doing this, but because <laughs> I'm announcing something that you might not be doing, but they're helping Landon Schott. If you guys know what Landon Schott is, he's uh, planning a church here in Dallas, Texas called Mercy Culture. Uh, Landon's just an incredible voice. Look him up. You guys will love him. And then my friends Mark and Catherine Anderson are here. So Mark and Catherine and I have been friends on Facebook for five years and never actually met each other until this morning. So they are incredible. They've been partnering with our family and our ministry for five years and never even met them until literally during worship today. So I can't wait to talk to you guys more. Uh, sorry, I feel like I'm, in, I'm at my house, so I can just talk like I want to talk as long as I don't swear. If I swear, just cut it, cut it off the web stream. What? No, no swearing. Um, so uh, anyways, okay. Um, so I was here back in October, and I know there's only a handful of you guys here, and I was just super raw. I spoke on a Thursday night and just kind of like processed my story because this is probably like my third or fourth time speaking um, at Storehouse over the last five years. And the person that I am today is not who I was for most of you the last time you saw me. And it's for the good. Not that there wasn't a lot of fruit that was born in past seasons, but um, the Lord just did a really intense work in my wife and I's life over the last two years. And uh, the intensity of that wilderness, it was, like, it was like wilderness, pruning, discipline. It was like every season all into one. But, and we just came out of the intensity of it, like literally two months ago. <laughs> so it was a two-year season of just confusion, and it was just, it was intense. And I'm going to talk briefly about it, and I'm going to see where it goes from there, because um, for me personally, I'm not a teacher, but when I do have opportunities to speak, I do best by just sharing what's going on in my life, and then my life is just, I feel, I feel like this is how it's supposed to be with the Lord, but our lives are an impartation, right? Is, is when what, whatever we're going through in the moment, uh, a lot of times, if we're walking it out rightly with the Lord, we, you know, we can then pass it on to others, and so that's kind of how I talk these days when I have an opportunity to. Um, I don't really do this a ton anymore, and, and, and the, the more that I'm growing closer to the Lord, the less I want to do this. Um, and it's funny because I said that to Tracy when she asked me to come back uh, at the One Thing Conference, and, and she said, well, because you don't want to, now you're qualified. <laughs> because I was young and thought I had a lot to say about five years ago, and I really wanted a microphone in my hand. And, um, and so I've actually been really um, having a hard time with this specific Sunday morning over the last week because I don't do this a ton anymore. I used to travel every weekend and do that whole thing, and... And, um, you know, I really haven't preached since November. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't, and I'm so glad to have my wife with me and my kids. And traveling is just different these days. And so I, I walk into churches now when I'm asked to come. And I, and I really am sober. And I don't want to walk in unhealthy, like, fear sober. But at the same time, like, 
there's two different things you can do when you're a guest speaker, you know, or you're someone who travels often and you're always a guest speaker. You know, you can come into a place because you think you have something to say, or you can come into a place really convicted about making sure that you want to only be a blessing to a place, and if anything, be able to only drop or deliver something that only will help the pastor, not cause whatever, right? Not saying there's not times and places where the Lord has you come in and disrupt something. I mean, that, that happens too, but like, for the most part, I don't, and I don't wanna be the guy that thinks he has something to say. You know, I'd rather come into a place and really just try to quiet myself enough to. So I spent the last week listening to Tracy's messages. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, like, I'm like, what is Tracy saying? Like, what is she feeling for her house in this season? And so, not that I'm going to try to, like, copy what she's been saying. But I just say that this morning because I'm just going to just talk out of the whatever's going on in my heart. And hopefully it ends up being a blessing to you guys. So, um so yeah, my wife and I, we've been married, like she said, tomorrow will be eight years. Um, we'll probably celebrate our anniversary maybe in a couple days because we're kind of traveling tomorrow and um, we, we leave to go back to Kansas City tomorrow. But we've been here since Thursday. It's been a blast. Um, Dallas does really feel like some sort of home. There's kind of like a couple cities in America, New York City, Dallas, and KC that kind of just feel like home to us. We've had a really wonderful time. And um, yeah, we're happy to be here. And so just to give you guys like a two minute backdrop on who we are, um, my wife and I, like I said, been married eight years on Monday. We have been in full-time ministry at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City for uh, this upcoming, like late summer will be 10 years. Um, so I've, I gave my entire 20s literally to being an intercessory missionary, <laughs> whatever that means. And we have been raising support, not having job for a decade now. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And actually, we really didn't really raise support until about a year ago. <laughs> we were just winged it. And what we found out that about a year ago, you know, you can't get away with the same things you can get away with, you know, when your kids were one years old, you know. And so I'll be 30 this June, and uh, my son is seven, my daughter's four. And so life is just different these days. And so, but it's crazy to think that, like, for 10 years, we've been living this crazy lifestyle, you know, and it's, God's just been really cool and kind and faithful. And so, yeah, so we come to you guys from Kansas City. I'm sure you guys, to some degree, have heard of the International House of Prayer. And so we literally give our entire life to it. So I spend anywhere from 20 to 30 hours a week in a prayer room. <laughs> and I, you know, I was a drug addict, wild testimony guy. And when I got saved, I got saved, I got saved 10 years ago, actually. It was November 11th of, just this recent November was the 10-year mark. And I got, you know, anybody that's involved in the house of prayer at like an intense part-time or full-time way, like you're weird and you're not normal. And there's like an itch that like can't be scratched unless if you spend long hours with Jesus. And for me, when I say I spend 30 hours a week in a prayer, everyone goes, whoa, it must be really holy. Actually, it's because I'm so distracted. It takes six. <laughs> I need six hours a day to connect with God because I'm, I'm focused for 25 and then I'm distracted for an hour and a half. Because here's what happens. I got to go to the bathroom and then I go to the bathroom. And before I know it, I talk to a guy in the bathroom for an hour and a half. And so I got to go back to the, you know what I mean? And then my buddy texts me and he wants to meet in a side room and we talk about everything for an hour. And I'm like, it's 10 o'clock and I've been in that room for a half hour. You know, so I need 30 hours a week to connect with God because I'm prone to be extremely distracted and I'm lucky enough to be a Levite, so to say. And so, and then the other part of our schedule, the Lord seems to change that 
you know, often. You know, it seems like we're doing different things in different seasons. But in this specific last year and a half, we have been working full time with my good friend Ty Lamb. And we uh, help run a ministry called the Luke 18 Project, which is taking the DNA of the house of prayer world. We kind of call it a generation of Daniels. And we are kind of infecting college campuses across the nation. And so what we don't do, we actually don't go and try to start Luke 18s anywhere. We actually just want to find the fiery Daniels and kind of help them. So, you know, at our, we have all these students from all over the nation that come to Kansas City three or four times a year for our different training events. And it's so fun because it's so cross-denominational. You know, Tracy just spoke at our biggest conference of the year in January with about two or 300 college students there. And which I don't know if you knew this or not, Tracy. John didn't even know this, but um, in that room, there was literally probably 30 ministries represented. Yeah, it wasn't like Luke 18 people. <laughs> the only Luke 18 people that were there were the ones that were on staff. So you had Chi Alpha, Campus Crusade, Dallas Baptist, or not Dallas Baptist, that's, that's your, uh, <laughs> Baptist Union, I think it's called. Uh, anyways, and so it's just this really unique thing where like cross-denominationally, there's all of these ministries. And because we're the prayer people, we have crazy favor. I mean, crazy favor, like Ravi Zacharias's guys are a part of like our board now. And like, because prayer, every, the, pr- everyone's talking about prayer from charismatic to non. I think the world, and here's why I think I could be wrong, but I feel like when I look at the, the scope of the body of Christ and I, I look at the assignments that are being given, but then I also look at the deep darkness that was promised in Isaiah on the earth. I think we're finally getting to the end of ourselves and we're realizing that like everything we've tried really isn't working. I mean, even, like, even, I mean, it's working a little bit, but, like, it's only getting worse. Like, you know, it's getting better, but it's getting worse, right? Like, we know that the kingdom is increasing, but let's just, I'm I'm a really, like, real, real realist. Like, I'm not, I'm not the guy that, like, I probably need to get better at this. I'm not the guy that, like, is very optimistic. I'm not, I'm not a Debbie Downer. But I'm definitely not like Mr. Optimist either because I look at the facts in front of me. And that's, I probably need to like, that's probably not heavenly thinking. But like when I look out at the earth, I'm like, okay, let's just be a realist here. We can hype this up all we want. We can say that the kingdom is increasing, which it is. But you just saw what happened in New York. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but I'm just saying. And so what I think is happening is I think people are like, we need to pray. <laughs> and so... And so all of a sudden, the goofy, charismatic prayer guys are, like, starting to get accepted, you know? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. Like, we just had, I, I'm, I'm going to get into my message in one second. We were just in, we were just in Springfield, Missouri uh, or a month ago. And so, so, we, so Ty, the guy that I run with, he's just this, like, crazy apostolic guy that no one knows how apostolic he really is because he doesn't care, you know? But this guy's, like, a living legend, like, in the campus ministry world. And so he oversees this thing called the Collegiate Day of Prayer. It's the National Day of Prayer for college campuses. Over 2,000 colleges around the nation com- participate every year. And so we do this, like, leaders gathering, and, like, it's like this family of leaders that are, like, joining the family of Collegiate Day of Prayer, and that family keeps getting bigger. And so I was just with Ty in Springfield at the Assemblies of God World Headquarters just a month ago, and we've got, like, Ravi Zacharias' assistant is, like, there, and, like, Doug Clay, like, the Pope of AG, like, the guy who oversees the Assemblies of God. Like the guy who literally is the president of the Assemblies of God Church worldwide. There's more AG churches than McDonald's. 
No, like for real, for real, you know? And I'm like sitting in this room and there's like, there's like non-charismatic, charismatic, the Holy Spirit's breaking out in our prayer times and there's like half people in the room are like, what's happening? But like the craziest unity though, because like from the most, like the most not charismatic people, they're like afterwards are like, I'm having coffee with, with, with somebody. I'm not gonna say his name, but I'm having coffee with this guy the next day. And he's like, and this guy's like, big time, like own me theologically, like he is up there, right? And we're sitting at a, for a cup of coffee the next day and he literally approaches the conversation because he asked to meet for coffee. And it was to ask about what the heck happened last night. <laughs> because Ty's like, we're gonna have a time of worship and prayer and everyone's, everyone's on the floor like groaning in travail. Well, not everybody, like, like, like the 15 charismatics in the room, you know? And, uh, and, the other, and the other 15 are really, you can tell there's a genuine, like we want to know what's going on, but we don't. And so they're like standing there trying, and it's like, it's like two hours into a prayer meeting, you know, and it's like, you know. And so I'm with this guy who's like probably one of the biggest leaders in the room, and we're having coffee the next day, and he like comes to me and he's like, I just want to come to you to ask what the heck happened last night. And I'm coming not from an argumentative like position. He's like, I do have a bunch of theological questions about what happened last night. And actually, they were really good theological questions that caused me, challenged me. But he was like, you know, the world that I come from, we are like the minnows of the ocean of prayer. We don't get any of this stuff. So help us understand because we want this too. You know, and so it's just like really fun. It's uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what God's doing at college campuses is just crazy. You know, right now we have a thousand college students. Oh, well, there's probably more, but we we know of a thousand college students on a 40-day fast for their campus right now around the nation, which culminates to what's called the Collegiate Day of Prayer, which is the last Thursday of this month. I'm sure there's people in Dallas or campuses participating. Look up Collegiate Day of Prayer. It's pretty cool. And uh, so we're hosting the Collegiate Day of Prayer, like the big gathering in Kansas City, and Ronnie Floyd's coming to hang with us, who's the Southern Baptist guy, the pastor literally of the Southern Baptist Convention worldwide, and it's just fun. So that's what I'm doing right now. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm really just serving someone else's vision and being faithful to be at his right hand, and so it's, it's been a lot of fun. So, okay, let me jump in, let me jump in. So, and I'm just gonna, what, what time we got? 12.06, perfect. I'm gonna take you guys on a quick journey. I'm not gonna camp out like I did last time I was here on like the details of how crazy it was, but I wanna talk about something because it really applies to my generation. I'm 29 years old and um, it really, really applies to my generation, but I think it can apply to a lot of us because I think being a Christian in 2019 is really challenging, I feel like not because of darkness, but because of religious structure. And, 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 and more and more and more, churches are booming, things are blowing up, big lights, big numbers, celebrity preachers. Like there's just this whole like world of real gain in following Christ. <laughs> I don't mean spiritual gain. I mean, there's legitimate like fleshly desire gain, like being popular, like having a lot of money, which is a good thing, but like, you guys get what I'm seeing I'm going with all this. And I feel like it's really hard for my generation because they're coming into the kingdom and what they see is really cool. Like it's hip, like we're getting it figured out. Like our fonts look good, you know? Like, like our media teams are getting better. Like, you know, no, and it's all good things. But, 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 but it's also a challenge because Jesus, just the simplicity of actually why we do this is because we're ministering to him 
No, it's, it's, it's a real like problem. And the Lord's been raising up his house of prayer to kind of combat these mindsets that people are literally giving their lives to sitting in a room and ministering to the Lord. But you know, I was actually with a good friend of mine, Joel. He's like the main worship leader at the upper room. And it was so fun hanging out with him yesterday because he was talking about how, I was like, so how has it been, dude? Like six years, upper room. Like, and now he's like one of their only full timers. Like they're like, they're like experimenting with like actually having like people doing full-time intercessors, like really doing the prayer room, you know? And it's just so funny because here's a kid who's, <coughs> you know, very uh, gifted, very whatever. And he's like, I'm having to unlearn everything. <laughs> he's like, you know, I went to Bible school and I went to a worship school. And like literally being here at the upper room, I have to learn unlearn everything because like this mindset of we do this unto the Lord. <laughs> He's like, you know, it's like, yeah, amen. No, no, you really don't get it. Like you're not going to get promoted. <laughs> like, like it's like, no, like this is really like we don't care who you are. Like this is really about the Lord, you know. And no, no. And, and, and this is this is so huge because there's not a church in America that if I walked in right now and said, you know, we do this because he's worth it. Everyone's going to go, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. But if your paycheck isn't there, are you still at the prayer meeting? <laughs> no, you know what I mean? And like, no, I'm serious. And so we, my generation, I don't think it's just my generation. I think, I think in general, we have, you know, there's a great book out there called The, the Seven Longs of the Human Heart. And Mike Bickle and I think Dana Candler wrote it together. And it's great because it talks about, no, we have desire to be known in whatever, but the enemy wants to twist that and warp that. And so my generation is so bent on opportunity. That's why we jump from church to church. That's why, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to find the cool thing, the thing that works, the whatever because deep down inside what happens is is we we follow Jesus but then like we go on YouTube and like we see Todd White and we see Graham Cook and we see Corey Russell and we see all these like you know whatevers and it's like there's a part of us that goes oh that that's what I want you know and a part of it's godly but a part of it's not godly and and I and the Lord had to just kill that in me and it was so in me. I didn't even know it was so in me. And I'm not talking about a guy who gives himself to 30 hours a week in a prayer room. And it was so deeply embedded in me. I didn't even know it. And what happened was, is in the height of what seemed like, I mean, you know, we've had a very supernatural, you know, life in God, right? Well, we all are supposed to, but like, sometimes there's just abnormal lives in God that, you know, and, and ours has just been something else. Like, for the first seven years where I walked with the Lord, it was just like every year things just kept getting crazier, kept getting better, power, miracles. Like it just was nonstop, open doors, like whatever. And in 2015, the Lord began to write this prophetic story. And long story short, through like the craziest amount of prophetic stuff. Like this isn't like young kid just going to go move his family somewhere. Like we don't have a history of like being flaky. Like we don't have a history of like jumping from thing to thing. Like we've been faithful to the same ministry since the day we got saved. Like we only moved once, you know, and it was to New York and we died, you know? <laughs> so like, like we don't have a history of like being like those people that are like the Lord said and I'm going. Like, I mean, we're very like, we live in the prophetic, but like we're also very like whatever, right? So 2015, the Lord writes a really wild prophetic story. I mean, like 30 or more confirm. I'm talking, when I say confirmations, I don't mean like, I was driving on the highway and I saw a New York City sign. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm talking about like 
dreams that were beyond anything. Like it, it came down to where like, you know, my wife is like, I'm, we're not going to New York. And at this point, we already had like 20 confirmations to go, you know, like crazy. It didn't, could not stop. Like people walking up to me, handing me money. Like I had this crazy prophetic lady who travels with Heidi Baker, like come to me, who I haven't seen in like years. Like she's like randomly at this service and she's like, hey, so I heard you're moving to New York. Like it was just like nonstop. I'm like, who told you that? She's like, well, she's like I literally said, who told you that? She's like, well, God did. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, crazy stuff. Like, she goes, well, here's the situation. I'm, um, in the summer, I'm going on a mission trip with Heidi Baker, and I've already booked my flights, and I have this layover in New York that's several days long. And I said, God, who am I going to stay with? And the Lord's like, you'll stay with Josh and Landry. And she's like, wait, they're moving to New York? You know, it's like, it was just stuff. It was just stuff like that, you know? And then it culminated, the, the final, final, we already knew we were going, but like the final, final was, it actually became a division in our marriage because I'm quick to be like, all right, we're, we're going, <laughs> you know, and don't stew. And, I, and I'm, now I'm learning. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm learning how to stir my wife's heart better. <clears throat> but my wife says a secret prayer to the Lord that she didn't tell me. And she said, Lord, if, if, if we're really for real moving to New York City, then you'd have already told Lori Ditto, who's this like crazy prophet lady in our life. Tracy knows her. her she's got a really cool book coming out. You guys should read it called The Hell Conspiracy. So this lady went to hell and experienced the whole thing. And she's now the, 10 years later or whatever, the Lord has released her to write a book about it. She was just on the Sid Ross show last week. And it's coming out, guys, the hell conspiracy. Go read it. So anyways, this lady's been a wild prophet to our life. In the same way that Tracy's been a wild prophet to our life, this lady, even, this lady even more intense. Like this lady is next level. And unfortunately, her words are usually very like, 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 she, like if you're in sin, you can expect Lori to call you. You know, like <laughs> the Lord uses her in that way, you know? And so, so we got to the point in our marriage where it was like a problem, like shut up, don't talk about New York. So, I, so we did this, this like seven day hush, we called it. We weren't allowed to talk about New York for seven days. No matter how many prophetic words happen in the next seven days, we will not talk about it. And so I take my wife uh, on a, long story short, it was tax return season, hallelujah. Uh, that was back when we were like not raising support missionaries like had like 10 grand to to report on our income and so we'd get these like like we get like tax returns that were bigger than our income you know like that's <laughs> not that way anymore but now now tax season I bite my nails you know because I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna make it but um so tax return season and I decided I'm gonna take land we're just gonna go all out so like we booked like the pretty much the nicest place you can stay in Kansas City for just a, a staycation you know and just shop unlimited, didn't matter. Like, we're just gonna have fun for two days. So on the second day, it's like eight in the morning and Lori Ditto's calling my phone. We're like laying in bed and I'm like, I'm nervous because I'm like, oh no, like Landry said, like, no, I know what this is about. She's caught wind, she's heard. And Landry goes, no, go ahead and answer, you know? And so long story short, she, she calls us and she's like, I was in New York City earlier this year and I had this encounter with the Lord. And, and long story short, you're moving to New York City. And I look over and she's crying. I'm like, why are you crying? I thought we can't talk about this. Well, little did I know that she said a secret prayer to the Lord just days prior. Lord, if this is really you, you know? So, so it was just my point, of, my point of hyping that up is this wasn't just like a young, stupid, we're just gonna jump off the cliff and go to Manhattan, you know, and do live the dream and live New York City. It was like a word of the Lord. And literally we made a YouTube video that was the most unprofessional, it was 17 minutes long. Like, who's, who's gonna watch a 17 minute long like video saying we're moving, you know? It was so stupid, but it, no, it was so good actually. 
you saw it? You saw it, Matthew? <clears throat> well, so we make this video. We make this video and we raise $30,000 in a month. 30 grand through PayPal. <laughs> 30 grand, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is really happening. So, so we're thinking, right? Like, because we're already in the height of a lot happening. Like at that point for me personally, like I was, big doors were opening and I was, you know, traveling a ton, whatever, right? So we're thinking, wow, New York City, you know, and there's all this crazy prophetic stuff happening. And, and we get there and it was the hardest season ever. And what's challenging about a season like what we went through that you have to wrestle through is the fact that God's the one who sent us there. This wasn't like a bad, oh man, we blew it. You know, this, this wasn't like a, we own it. We probably didn't hear God. We just wanted to do it. And now we're, now we're paying for it. You know, this was a like, the word of the Lord came and he sent us to New York. And not only prophetically did he send us, but in the natural, everything was being met financially. I mean, we're living in a $3,000 a month apartment in Brooklyn, like with $800 a month in partners. <laughs> you know, like living in New York, like for real. I mean, it was so crazy. I had unbelievers paying our rent. Like I had an unbeliever like walk up and hand me a check in the gym one day. Hey, you like, you like have a, like a, like a charity or something, don't you? Some kind of ministry. I'm like, yeah, something like that. He's like, well, I grew up Catholic and I've been doing some bad stuff lately. I need to get it off my chest here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was so bizarre. No, it really happened. Good old George, man. It was my real estate buddy, George. He's this like old baller who like owns all this real estate in New York City. You know, I was just like, hey. But my point was, is like, it was the Lord. And, but I had to learn about a whole new side of the Lord that I didn't understand. Theologically, I could, I, could, I could tell you about it. I could tell you about John 15. I could tell you about Hebrews 12. I could, I could tell you theologically about it. But the Lord sent us there. And it's like, you know, you think about how when Jesus gets baptized, the dove comes on him and it says that the Lord sent Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. That's a different, that, that little sentence changes everything about the story. <laughs> like the Lord in, a, in the heightened moment of history, like this dude is in the wilderness saying there's a guy coming and the guys come <laughs> And he's baptizing Jesus. The heavens open, a dove comes down, the height of revival, and the Holy Spirit's like, go to the wilderness to have the rage of Satan come against you. And we were, uh, Alan Hood, if, if you guys know Alan Hood at IHOP, he, he's moving like tomorrow to Colorado Springs. And so he preached his last rendezvous at IHOP. And he did a, he did over, for, in a two-day period, he did his entire Excellencies of Christ course in two days. Seven sessions a day for two days. Just boom, and just watch, and, and Alan, man, if you ever heard him reenact when Jesus gets tempted by Satan, it's the most, I mean, this dude should be like in a Broadway production or something. Because he brings the reality of like, this wasn't just some like, you know, if you're the son of God. Like, I mean, he was talking about how like literally the most hatred, the most, the greatest demonic principality of history like came and stood against Jesus. We're talking about hatred beyond your wildest dreams. We're not talking about just a, hey, if you're the son of God. You know, it wasn't this like little snake. Like we're talking about Satan. <laughs> There's no book out there about any demonic spirit that compares to what Jesus went through. You know, and so I'm beginning to, so long story short, everything falls apart in New York. Three months into it, it's a disaster. It's not working out. We are just, there's some stuff going on. 
And the stuff really wasn't that big, but when you're 26 years old and you're insecure and you really don't have a lot of character and there's about 20 things that you didn't do with the Lord that you should have and instead you were high and drunk on your calling and ministry and just so many things, I came up against stuff that was inside of me that I believe in the kindness of his leadership he didn't expose until later. Aren't you thankful that the day you got saved, the Lord didn't just unpack it on you, right? Right? Like when I got saved, when I got saved, it was like, I cannot smoke weed anymore. That was it. (laughs) I can't smoke weed. I got to try to do my best to resist this lust thing. And I can't go back to selling drugs when I get out of this rehab. That's what it means to be saved for now, you know? So aren't you guys so glad? Like anyone in the room, I'm only 10 years in the Lord. Our brother just came up and said he celebrated 50 years of the Lord. Like you can testify that the longer you walk with him, it's like 50 years later, he's like showing you junk that you didn't know was in there. You're like, gosh, is this ever going to end? But, the, but, but, but I find that we have two ways to respond to these kind of seasons. So long story short, it takes me six months to figure out that it's God. So imagine how bad that first six months was. This is demonic warfare. And I've got like kind-hearted intercessors like that are on my team. You know, they're like, hey, I just see a dark cloud over that ministry that you're a part of. And, it, you know, it's a spirit of Jezebel. And it's, no, it wasn't any of those things. Maybe, I mean, I mean whatever, it could have been involved. But actually the Lord in his kindness, because he's not a shallow father, and actually because he is so committed to me in my future, he set me up. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, like, like if all the prophetic words would have been like, like if Lori would have called me, like, you're going to New York City to die, it's going to suck. Like, <laughs> like, would we have went? No, like, right? So it's like we're, we got all this promise and all these revivals going to break out on Wall Street and all of these things, right? Like we're going to New York to see a move of God. <laughs> it was a move of God. It was a move of God that saved my marriage. It was a move of God that did a lot of things. But, but, but for the first six months, I'm like doing warfare, you know. And, and the Lord, I, have a, I won't go into it all, but it was right after the One Thing Conference, 2017, whatever year that was, 2016, 2017. <clears throat> the thank I, I'm just I'm so thankful for the House of Prayer in Kansas City, like the leadership of Mike Bickle and those guys. Like because because when you know when we went we we went to Kansas City for one thing, and I'm like it's time for me to like vent. You know this is what it's been like. You know Mike's I mean Mike like sent us. I mean it was a moment. It wasn't like I mean Mike himself like we were sent. You know and to have them. You know, I remember, I remember processing all this with Mike and he's like, he goes, this is awesome. He's like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, he goes, the fact that you're in your twenties and you're going through this, he's like, dude, this is unbelievable. And so it set me on a course to go, huh? And then I had my own encounter with the Lord. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I just got off the phone with this crazy prophetic dude who just told me something totally opposite of what the Lord's about to tell me. <laughs> And I sit down, and the Lord just simply whispers to me. And I've got less than 10 times in my life where I've heard, heard, heard the voice of God. I discern his presence. We have dreams. We have a lot of other ways that the Lord really clearly communicates. But I've had probably less than 10, the Lord said, moments in my life. Less than 10. One, when I was doing dishes. I mean, I could take you to the places. 
you know, where I, I, I could take you to the spots where it happened. That's how, like, you know what I mean? And so the Lord speaks to me and says, this is all me. That's it. Just this is all me. And my immediate response was actually really upset. I actually swore at him out loud. Like, I swore at him. And I basically said, F God and F your leadership. That's pretty much what I said to him. Because this is what it means to follow you? I've left everything. I never went to college. Like, I came straight from a rehab to give my life to doing something that already seems so wasteful as it is. Like, and then I pack my whole family up. I move us to the craziest city in the world, literally, one of the craziest cities in the world. You know, and this is what I get. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm just going through all of my exploits. Like, I've left everything. I'm like, every 40-day fast, every da-da-da-da. And I just, and the Lord just kind of lets me vent. And then he takes me on this journey where after I vented, it took about a couple of days. (laughs) Yeah, because, right, what do you do? What do you do when you've given everything to him? I mean, dude, everything. I mean, we gave everything like we have forsaken anything that it means to be an American dream like I mean we have given him everything at least I thought you know like I thought we did and the Lord begins to pour this grace on me to walk the season out and it is only by his grace because in the natural as a human like I cannot boast at like wow I, I really did well I did do well but I look back at it and I go, oh my gosh, only by his grace could I have even did this. And he put a grace in my heart and, and literally the spirit of revelation just comes and rests on me for our entire time living in New York City. And it just kept getting worse. Like the whole situation with the church kept getting more confusing and harder. So nothing actually got better. It only kept getting worse. But internally, something clicked where I realized that this season was really the Lord. And the first thing he did was expose an orphan spirit in my heart. That was the first thing he did. And I began to realize that everything that I had been doing up to this point, though it was bearing fruit, though people were being saved, though sick people were being healed, all of that stuff, I realized that there was so much in me that was false about who God was. And that actually so much of my busyness and ministry exploits actually was an outward manifestation of my orphan spirit. So actually me having more microphones in my hand and speaking at more big conferences was actually a manifestation of an orphan spirit. Isn't that wild? Now, not saying that people who preach him. <laughs> this is me personally here. And I didn't realize because... Because the trial that we went through in New York City was specifically attacking my character, and it was, it was personal. And so for the first time, I'm feeling rejection in a way I've never known before. And so this is what spiraled me out of control, because I, I realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing all of this for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? And so the Lord just takes me on this crazy season, takes us on this crazy season. And my wife's just kind of like hanging on. She's like, this is crazy. Like, you know, my, she's still in full-blown mom mode. Like, all she's known is being a mom, taking care of kids while her husband's out doing whatever God's doing, whatever that means, you know. And, and, and the Lord just does this deep, deep work. And, and what I find, and, and I realize that like, oh, this is actually normal. Like, 
this is called walking with the Lord. Actually, the wilderness is normal. Like, going through these seasons of the Lord is normal. And not even just, not even just divine orchestrated seasons from the Lord, but just life. Like James 1, like my brethren count it all joy. Like, like where the rubber meets the road in your walk with the Lord is like how you do life. <laughs> not how like what you say when you pray or not how many sick people get healed. Like that's great and we should be seeing those things. But like I know some people who walk in some stuff but can't handle correction at all. You know, I know some people who like cannot be a good husband or cannot be good wives, but yet like are pretty charismatic but their lives are like real flaky. Like, like I know, I, you, you get it, I could go down that list, right? You get it. And what I'm finding is, is like, and even you see, you see in 1 Corinthians, right? Paul is like writing to the church of Corinth, you know, like the church, I mean, whatever, the best church in Dallas, Texas, blowing up, whatever, right? And he's addressing them because they've like gotten goofy since he's been gone. Like weird stuff, sex, Weird doctrine, things are getting funny, you know? And it's incredible to me what Paul says. You have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Therefore, I'm sending you Timothy. And it's crazy to me because unless if you learn how to walk out, and I'm only 10 years into this thing, so this was like my first one. And I know I'm gonna have many more, but like I'm recognizing that like my generation needs people that have walked these seasons out well, that they can show them the right way. You know, like, I'm so done with the offended millennial Christian. Like, I'm so done with the church hopping. I'm so done with the, well, it's just not really, you know, we're not really getting anything anymore from that place. I'm like, is that really what church is about in the first place? Like, what are you getting from the Lord in the morning on Monday? Like, you're probably not spending any time with him. You know, like, and we, you know, and my point though is, is my generation, now I shouldn't even just say my generation. I think the body of, I think just human nature, our tendencies are to run from problems. And then the problem we have in the charismatic church is we know how to blame it on something else. We just call it the demonic, (laughs) which we got to learn how to discern the demonic as well. But my point is, is even think about Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good for those who love him are called by his name. Like that scripture has gotten so deep in my spirit that I'm forgetting how to like pray for people sometimes. Like, like people come up and I'm like, dude, all things somehow work together. You know, like, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe that's just my, you know, I probably need to like pendulum swing back again a little bit to like being crazy. Like I needed to cast some things out of people. But like, I'm just so in this season with the Lord that like I'm almost looking for the opportunity to have to like go low. I know it, sound, it sounds twisted, but it's like, like I'm almost looking for the opportunity for like not to have a reserved seat when I'm a guest at the church. <laughs> like, you know, the, I, I know this stuff is silly, but like it's those little things in our heart, right? That like the Lord really wants to deal with. Like for real, for real, it's because he's kind. It's, and, and, and that's been the revelation of it all for me is that I lived under, I mean, I was a fasting, and, I st- and we still fast a lot, but like, I was just a machine on so many like things. And I was so like strong on, on opinions on a lot of moral issues because I knew what the Bible said. But, but, but realistically, the reason why I was so like this was because I internally lived in a place of that actually God was mainly not stoked about my life. 
that now once again I didn't quite wake up early enough or I did it's like you live under that voice of you're not doing enough you're not doing enough you're not doing enough and so when the Lord began to take me into a season of discipline while also delivering me from an orphan spirit he actually used discipline right Hebrews 12 if you don't know the discipline of your father you're actually not a son of God that's intense you know and so the Lord actually used a season of discipline to actually reveal the orphan in me so that I could actually see a side of him that I didn't know that actually where, 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 because here's the thing, we're humans, right? So like we struggle with confrontation. Like we shy away from like showing what's wrong in somebody's life. But like the Lord is so kind as a father that he will disrupt your entire life, not because he's upset with your journey, but it's actually an overwhelming response to like, I know what Josh's life's gonna look like when he's 50, what, what I see it as, what I want it to be as. And I see it at 60, and I see it at 80, and I see it at 90. And because he's so kind, the God who made over a billion people today wake up. A billion people today are gonna breathe. Like, you think God has, a, he's got a busy schedule. Like, well, he doesn't because he's God and some, you know, he, he's God, so he doesn't have a busy schedule. But like, for the Lord to care that much about your personal life, that he will disrupt everything and then give you grace to receive it. Yes. <laughs> so you don't even do anything. You lean you just, all you do is you just simply turn your attention to what he's trying to do, and then he gives you supernatural grace to walk it out. What kind of God is this? But yet, we have the nagging voice of the accuser who stands before God day and night, accusing the brethren, right? And instead of leaning into his grace, we get offended, harden our hearts, and then get way off track. Crazy. I don't meet many young people that make it more than three or four years in this walk of the Lord. I've led so many people to the Lord and like hardly any of them like really can stick it out and like really grow because you step into this lifestyle where it's like, oh my gosh, right? Like, you know, and then that's why we got to be careful, honestly, in the way that we present the gospel to people. I almost like want to talk them out of it, you know, like, like I want to make sure that it's the Lord who's persuading men to be saved. Because I learned a lot of tricks in evangelism over the years. I learned a lot of tricks, especially tricks that come with supernatural. Because you can walk in the supernatural and then it's an emotional moment. It's easy to seal the deal because it's an emotional moment. Right? That's why I'm almost like these Kirk Cameron guys. I'm like, dude, there's no supernatural. So when they get someone saved, like it's real, like... <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's for real, you know? Like, us guys, it's like, you know, we can go read someone's mail. They're weeping. How'd you know that? You should probably get saved. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, my gosh, I should get saved, you know? You know, but it's like, I'm not saying that that's wrong either. But my point is, my point is, is when we signed up for the Lord, it's what we signed up for. Like, we signed up for a life now of unlearning everything that we've learned and saying yes to a whole new kingdom. But my wife says it best. She's been, uh, what do you always say? <laughs> it's 85%. Yeah. Say that. 
Yeah, it's just so much harder to just give Jesus like, okay, I'm going to give you 80%, but then I'm going to keep this 20% because this is too this is too difficult, too confusing to figure out how to lay this down. So I'm going to give you this amount and then, then I'm going to hold back this. It's so much harder to live that way than to just fully surrender all of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and that's and, and that's what happens, right? That's the trap of the enemy. Your 80% can look so radical to some people, but then when little trials come, you, you manifest flesh, and you, don't, and you don't end up walking in with the Lord's asking. Because 80% can go to every Christian conference, 80% can fast, 80% can see signs and wonders, 80% can be the most flamboyant expression of worship, but that 20%, when your brother offends you, right, that 20% when life happens ends up destroying you, you know? And the Lord is just so amazing because he's like, your life is not cool. I promise you if you trade it for mine, it's going to be awesome. But then we got to submit to his life-giving discipline, right? Dude, if you want to get messed up, read Hebrews 12 in the Passion Translation. Dude, they, he breaks it down in a way that's like, I'm, ooh, like I might not be saved, you know, like... <laughs> So that's been the journey the Lord has had us on, okay? You get it. You guys can get it. I don't need to go into the details. The details are stuff you have coffee with, with your sons and daughters that you're discipling, and you talk about how you responded when that lady said this. And you... <laughs> right? Because that's where it gets real nitty-gritty. See, I'm a super, like, no, what does that really mean? You know, like, no, how, no, actually, how much money do you make? Like, you know, I'm that guy. Like, yeah, the Lord's been really good. I'm like, no, like, really, like, what does that mean? Like, does that mean, like, you got got 100 grand good or, like, you know, how do you know? I'm just a very, like, practical guy. And that's why, I love, that's why I love discipling young people because then you can actually, like, say, no, here's actually really what it looked like. Like, this is actually what they said. <laughs> like, and this is how you walk it out. So it's a lot of fun. So it's been this journey. And the journey has so delivered us. Well, me, this is more so me because Landry's just being a good wife the whole time, trying to, like, hold on, following her retarded husband, you know, like. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and, and the Lord has just so changed our lives, you know? And somebody in the back room, you guys were praying over us, and one of you guys prophesied over me about, um, one of you, I don't know if there's any guys in the back there. It was, it was a bunch of, nope, it was a bunch of fiery women. One of you ladies said uh, something over me about being faithful to tilling the, tilling the home or something, was it you? Yeah, that's been the season for the whole last year at IHOP. It was like, drastic pendulum swing. I'm done traveling. I'm not doing any of this stuff anymore. Like I am going to give myself to this thing. And through the process where he has us right now is he finally got all of the performance out of us. He got all of the things that we thought it meant to be successful. Not that like we weren't bearing great fruit. There were lives changed. I mean, we have seen stuff. We've seen crazy stuff. But internally, there's so much conflict of the why, you know? And where we've come to right now, it was actually in, I was, it was in September, okay? In September, I'm just, and I, see, I'm such a pendulum. I'm such a 110% guy. I'm actually really asking the Lord to, like, learn how to walk in balance right now. That's, like, a big, like, prayer of mine in my life. Because if I'm going to be a CrossFitter, I'm going to be competing in the CrossFit competitions, you know? And if I'm going to be fasting, I'm never going to work out again, and I'm going to fast forever, 
you know, and I don't know how to do both. Like I just, and it's probably a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. So I'm like learning. And so to be honest with you, it's, it's so funny how these things work. Here's what ended up happening. So we come back to Kansas City and I'm like, I hate religion. I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to just love God. I don't want, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't care. Any, no opportunities. I don't care. I'm not speaking. I don't want to be a part of nothing. I'm just going to love God and serve my wife and kids, which is cool. And it's been an amazing season. But along the way, I was just wrestling with this, like, how do I take this new, but then go back into full-time ministry again? And then, like, and then there's just, like, we were, we were juggling weird relationships. Like, the Lord was connecting us with all these different people that are, like, saved but goofy, like in a, in a different stream of life because of some prophetic stuff we have regarding my wife's business. And so we're like, all of a sudden we're like hanging out with these different crowds of people and I'm like struggling with this like, I'm kind of like, I don't really want to be the IHOP guy anymore. Like it doesn't work in this, this setting. I'm weird if I'm an IHOP guy, you know? And like, and so along the way, I just have been like trying to figure out this journey of life. And I, what I didn't realize was, is that I didn't learn how to take what was the Lord, what was true fire, and still be able to bring it into the new season. Instead, I was just like, I'm done with ministry. I'm going to start a personal training business and I'm just going to do something else. You know, like, and literally it took, and the Lord's just so kind, like, and then during that time, like, all these people are, like, starting to partner with us, and I'm like, this is just bizarre, you know, and then in September, I was pacing in the prayer room, we actually had moved our prayer room over to, every so often we move our prayer room to FCF, and it's a way for Mike to just kind of, like, get people to sign back up for the prayer room again, you know, like, we call it a solemn assembly, you know, and, and we, like, get real focused. And it's fun because, like, Mike really pushes it. And all of a sudden, it kind of builds like a, oh, we kind of get out of our rhythm of, of what we do 24-7. Everyone's like, this is exciting. We're going to be at FCF. And Mike's, like, calling people to take off work if they can. It's really fun. And you, like, 900 people are in the room, like, really going for it. And we fast three days. And, and so, yeah, so, so we're having our solemn assembly in September. And I'm just pacing. And I'm just kind of in a daze. And all of a sudden, I just feel just this fire and this childlike hunger come into my heart like the old days, you know, like, like the days when the Lord in a dream told us to come to Dallas, Texas to receive an impartation and we met Tracy Eckert days, you know, like just being crazy days, like that wonder all of a sudden. And I, and I did, and I realized I haven't felt this in a while. You know, I was like, I haven't felt this in a while. And I, and I'm kind of like all day long, I'm like analyzing it. I'm like, this is bizarre. Have I been lukewarm? This last year, like, no, and I, I'm like realizing that I'm like, wait, in my response to being anti the old me, I've like not tilled. And so all of a sudden the Lord, and, and so I'm blown away because again, it's another revelation of who he is as a father. I'm like in a moment where I really don't deserve anything, he comes and touches me in the prayer room. And ushers us into a five-month season of fasting. And it's been this whirlwind. And out of this season of fasting my wife and I have been in since September, it was like I can mark the moment and the spot and the place in our church building where my wilderness season ended. You know, like, I mean, I can take you to that moment right now. And, and ever since, we're like, like we're breathing again. And, but, but here's been the, um, what's happening right now is I'm really realizing that Jesus really is what this whole thing is about, right? Wow, it took me 10 years. It took me 10 years to start realizing that Jesus 
really is worth it. And all of a sudden, this calling to be an intercessor that I pretty much forfeited when opportunities started coming, because I, I went to Kansas City because of an itch to be in the presence of God. When I first got saved, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning in this rehab, and I would watch these one-thing DVDs. And I was marked from the beginning to spend tons of time with the Lord. And here I am now, 10 years later, and I'm like, oh, the house of prayer. You're talking to a guy who's been on staff in the house of prayer for 10 years. And I'm, I'm actually like going, wait. It's not about intercession. See, see, for me, I'm like so like, it's compartmentalized into outward acts. So we're building a room called the house of prayer and we're, we're mobilizing to get people in there and we're doing intercession. But wait, we're doing intercession because actually our first calling is to minister to the Lord. And this whole Luke 10 thing, oh my God, dude, the Mary of Bethany thing, where I've heard the message a hundred times at least. And, I, and I'm like hearing it. I'm like hearing it. I'm like, what? You know, and Corey Russell has just been preaching Luke 10 like, oh my gosh, like in a way I've never heard, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Jesus made it so simple in Luke 10. Mary's worshiping at his feet. Martha is running all over the house trying to prepare for her guest, not just any guest, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know, like, you know? <laughs> and, and she's irritated at Mary, and Jesus makes it so simple. Martha, Martha, you're busy and worried about doing so many things, but yet this one thing you haven't done and Mary has. I don't look at that as a anti-Martha because we can get the anti-Martha movement, you know, like. <laughs> Jesus is not saying that what she's doing is wrong. She's like, dude, you've missed the one thing that matters. Whoa. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. And so the Lord took us to the wilderness, wooed us there, kind of just held our hand and danced us in the wilderness, gave us a nice car and money with it. Not a nice car, but he did give us money. We didn't get a nice car out of it. But he gave us, he gave, but check this out. We're driving the sickest car right now. This is a side note. We're driving a really cool car here in Dallas. So I feel, it was nice. We went to Highland Park the other day to the village and I felt like I really fit in. You know, I was like, this is it. I don't feel, you know, we feel a little embarrassed about our Ford Focus. The door doesn't open. My door doesn't open. The, the, the mirror has fallen off so many times that we just duct taped it. Yeah, it's just done. And, and, then I went and, got, and then of course I failed my inspection because it's duct taped. So the guy's like, bro, he goes, this ain't worth fixing. He's like, just, he goes, just drill it in there and we'll pass you. So we're about to drill our mirror with screws. No, so, so we get this rental car. Dude, we've got a 2019 BMW X3 for 125 bucks for five days. It's freaking sick. So I, I send my wife to go get it because we're like in a hurry. We had a meeting to get to. We, our flight got in late. We have crazy ice storms in Kansas City. Our flight got canceled. So we're like, we're like, we're going to be late for this really important meeting, whatever, whatever. So I sent Landry to go get the thing. And she calls me and goes, you booked this for DFW, not Love Field. I'm like, crap. 
So the guy's like, whatever. So he like takes Landry outside and he's like, just take that. And we're like, sweet. So I'm like trying to ask God for a X3. It's the craziest thing I've ever driven. <laughs> Guys, this thing is ridiculous. Some of you probably have cars like that in the room. Right? You're lucky. You can literally program it. Listen to this. You can get in the car and you can set a profile for yourself. And you go and you customize the profile to exactly what temperature you want your seats, to what you prefer for heat, every setting in your car, what everything. And then you get into the car and it says, welcome, Josh, and you click your profile and everything just does its thing for you, like what you prefer. It's pretty sick. No, you know, and this is big side note. This is a big rabbit trail. I'm sorry. Tracy, you okay? And what's blowing me away is they actually are only like 40 grand, brand new. They're actually not that expensive a car. So it's one of those like missionary things. I'm like, wait a second here. Like we could possibly afford like a 2013 model, but then it's like the image thing. Like you pull up to the prayer room and it, you know, it's just, I feel like in Dallas, so we get away with it. In Kansas city, like we will be judged. Like we'll be judged. I'll lose partners. I'll, I'll lose, we'll, we'll lose some partners over it being, you know. So, what I'm saying is, is this is what the Lord has been doing in our hearts over the last year. And so, what's my, what's my closing point? Does anyone here have an X3? I just want to honor you if you do. <laughs> Nobody? I'm sure there's some nicer, nicer cars than that in the room. Who? Oh, I thought someone just said right here. That's a pretty cool car. You should get one, Tracy. Um, so... I want to close with this. Sorry. I want to close with this. I want to give my life. And it actually is a part of where we're shifting even in outward ministry. Like we're going to start pastoring I help you students in a real like intense way in this upcoming season. It's going to be a lot of fun because I'm just so burdened to see the body of Christ. I keep saying my generation because I'm very burdened for my generation, but I am so burdened to see the body of Christ just get away from the fog, away from all of the enticements of ministry, and to hone in and let the Lord do a deep work because there's so much freedom on the other side of this thing. And I can tell you what, the, the freedom that I'm feeling to not be concerned about calling is unbelievable. Like I'm owning it. Like, I'm, I'm owning that it really matters that I'm in a prayer room for six hours a day. Like, I'm really owning it. Like, that I'm really actually doing the thing that Jesus says is the one thing that matters. And that the little outward action that I'm giving myself to in ministry, whatever it is that I'm called to, it's a direct product of this. But, hold on a sec, because here's the one that I'm having to fight through in the moment, too. I know a lot of ministers who travel and speak who do have an intimate life with the Lord, but it's unto because they're going to be preaching. So they spend a lot of time with the Lord getting something for the sermon. And the Lord in his kindness does. I don't know. He's so funny to me. He's like, all right, fine. <laughs> fine. You're here. and I'll give it to you. Here's a message. But where are the people that have gotten so transformed about what really matters to him, that literally when I get up today or tomorrow morning, 
that I'm reorganizing my, and I get it, I'm in a different world than you guys. No, probably nobody in this room can do 30 hours a week. I get it. I'm not, this isn't a comparison thing. For most of you, it might look like you're getting up 45 minutes earlier than normal to hang out with God. And I promise you that you will not fail at your work week if you give God 45 minutes in the morning. Like, he'll sustain you waking up an hour early. So, that, so don't hear the hour thing and go, wow. I'm just so dang, it's, it's the Lord's mercy. If I wasn't in full-time ministry, I would be just like, I would be so all over the place. Like, I need, I need three, four, five hours to even get focused, you know. But I am so burdened to see God's people embrace the challenges and the hard seasons and then maybe the ones that God literally orchestrates, the wilderness ones. Whether it's, whether it's one of those or it's just life stinks. <laughs> you lost your job, your best friend's mad at you, and your mom is being weird. <laughs> I mean, that's the stuff that throws us off, like literally ruins our lives. Like we can't get over this stuff. Like it's like I meet believers that literally like they tell me what's going on in their life and I'm like... Like, that is like, I mean, that is it? Like, you know, like, I, I get it's real to you, but like, hey, let's embrace this thing and move on, you know? Like, the Lord wants to teach you something through this. But I want to see a generation give themselves to this for, for real because the Lord really is raising up his house of prayer. But a lot of people, when they hear that, they think of IHOP, and then they think of the building, and they, fig, they get into the whole, like, like, how do we do IHOP? I'm talking about the Lord wants to literally, as Mike Bickle had the encounter in Cairo, Egypt, the 1980-whatever, he has this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm changing the understanding and expression of Christianity in one generation. And, I, and I'm not saying that IHOP is what that meant, but as you look across the world, there's thousands of house of prayers that are popping up everywhere because all of a sudden, even as you heard me testify in the beginning of this message, from the charismatic to the non-charismatic alike, people are starting to understand that prayer is actually real, it's worth it, and that, wait a second, this matters. And the Lord is systematically bringing his church into a place where literally we are going to be the house of prayer. That our sanctuary will be filled throughout the weeks with people saying, I've got to find more time with the Lord. I've got to find more time to be with him. And then as that happens, we get caught up into the storyline where we find out that through our intimacy, we actually have authority to change atmospheres and shift culture. This is crazy. And you guys are doing that here at the storehouse. So I hope that ministered to you guys today. <laughs> and um, can we just pray for people? Is that the flow of service here? Good. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, if I can have the worship team uh, come back up here. If something that I said today uh, ministered to you in any way, if maybe you're in one of those seasons, maybe you're like, I'm just going to give like 30 altar calls right now. You ready? <laughs> we'll just get everybody up here. You know, if you're in this room and you're just, you're a, if you're a male in this room and you're saved, you know, like, just, just come up here. No, but seriously, if some of you in this room, you are probably literally in, my, in that season right now, my New York season. And it can look like whatever it looks like. Mine's pretty dramatic because I was that boneheaded. Like, 
mine was so dramatic because I was such a bonehead. Like the Lord had to like pick me up and move me across America thinking that it's going to be something, you know, like he had to trick me. Like there was, I, I wouldn't have done it, you know? So maybe some of you are in that season. Maybe you're like, man, like life is really tough right now. And I'm recognizing that like, it, it just seems like it's not getting better, but yet it feels like the Lord is trying to teach me something through it, whatever. We just want to pray for you guys to have grace. Because I didn't shift into the life-giving um, reality of that hard season. And that's a crazy thing to say, right? It actually became a life-giving season for me. Though in the natural it was hurtful and it was painful and things kept getting harder, and it really did. Like, it never got better. It actually only got worse, and then we moved. Like, there was no, like ending there was no good ending actually it was like it just kept getting worse and the money dried up <laughs> it was like okay lord back to kansas city we go and he was just so kind to encounter my wife to give her dreams about casey and whatever but maybe some of you are just maybe you're you're guilty of what i said that you're in these seasons or you're in a season like this and you're just running in circles trying to blame it on somebody else you're rebuking the devil. It's someone else's fault. It's not yours. It's their fault. Well, they're controlling. They're manipulative. They're, you know, whatever it might be. And you're caught in that tailspin that I promise you probably isn't producing any life. Maybe you're in that season. You're like, dude, I'm done. Like, I'm done spinning in circles trying to identify the next demon. And I just need to embrace what the Lord is doing. I need to embrace what he's doing. I need to just tap into that same grace. I don't know what that grace looked like for me. I got kicked off staff of the ministry that I moved to, that they wanted me to move to. <laughs> I got kicked off staff and then I was challenged by a prophet, friend of mine, to become the janitor of the church until I was released. And they tried to replace me being the volunteer janitor. <laughs> no, it was a real need, like it was a need. Like nobody has time to clean this thing. We're all like Wall Street workers. No, literally, the church was in the financial district, like two blocks, and they're the best people ever. So nobody get a bad mindset about them. It was a divine thing for me. It was foreign for them to have some young kid in full-time ministry. They never had someone full-time. It's a bunch of Wall Street workers who like make a church work, and they're the best people ever. I think they are the great, literally, I think that they are the, some of the top greatest mothers and fathers of that city. We left at, on a great note. God has restored our relationship with them. It was 80% my, my idiosity. Is that even a word? Is idiosity a word? It is now. So I don't want to like put a bad light on the ministry because it was like, but, but literally what it looked like for me to tap into the grace fully, because it's one thing to be like, well, I'll just deal with this with God in the secret place. <laughs> Sometimes we can deal with these problems with God in the secret place as a way to keep us from actually having to go and pursue it head on in the natural. Because usually there's people involved in your wilderness season. Usually there's people involved. There's usually real people that have really hurt you, that have really done weird things. There's real, usually there's actual practical conflict involved, usually. And what it looked like for me was I literally got, I literally became the volunteer janitor <laughs> that they tried to replace. I mean, that's like where, that's, that's where it went to. On a Sunday morning, like, we're looking for a janitor. I'm like, dude, I, I'm like committed every week. I clean the church. I, I mean, for free, you know, like, and, but that's what it looked like for me. And so for, for several months, I would take the train into Manhattan every week 
I'd get the vacuum out, get the cleaning products out, and I would vacuum and I'd mop the floors. And here's what, and here was my assignment for my prophet friend. While you become the janitor of the church, you now have to pray for them, not from the place of God do something. You have to redig the well of your heart of how you felt about them when you first moved there before you got involved in any drama. Because it, because right, right, when you go, when you go plant yourself somewhere, it's because you're feeling the heart of the Lord for it. But then you find out that the pastor's a little goofy and the wife's a little goofy and people are people. And all of a sudden you miss it. You start accusing them. Well, they're this and they're that. And I'm like, well, didn't you get sent there? Like didn't, like, didn't you like have a real burden of like why you went there in the first place? But see, we forget because life happens. And so my assignment was mop the floors. I didn't have to scrub the toilets. I always say clean the toilets just as like an example, but I actually didn't have to because it was a shared building that had a janitor that actually worked for the building as a whole, so I didn't have to do the toilets. But I had to, <laughs> I'd probably be even more holy if I did the toilets. But I had to do the sanctuary and the, and, and the tile floors. And as I would every week, mopping, you know, the prayer set's going on, I'm mopping the floors, you know, and, the, and I would just pray. God, I remember when I moved here. I remember what you said over this house. I remember all of your promises over this place, God, and I'm sorry for letting my heart go here. And the, I just went through this deliverance of the Lord. I would just want, that's all I did. I literally had a four hour a week commitment. <laughs> and I'm just like wandering New York City, talking to God, you know, just like wandering Brooklyn, like hanging out with the Lord, like, I'm going to go check out the World Trade Center. I'm going to go walk down Wall Street and just talk to God. And I went through this season with him. So my point is, is that's what sometimes it looks like practically. So if you're in one of those moments or those seasons, or maybe, maybe you're not in a wilderness type moment or a hardship, whatever, but this Jesus thing that I'm talking about is convicting you. That you're realizing that so much of what you do for the Lord isn't just because he's worth it, it's because there's other things that, that you get out of it and the blessings that come. Maybe you're in that season, you're like, whoa, Lord help me. We just wanna open up the altar for whatever. You need healing in your body, if you're a male, if you're a girl, if you're wearing pants in the room today, you should probably come to the altar. But we just wanna, my point is, is we wanna pray for you guys today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.